0: always preach something similar in this vein, and really, it's not just because it's the first of the year, this is honestly one of, it's probably one of the life messages I have to talk about the destiny that God has for you, that you are not finished yet, that what you have seen is not all that God wants you to see, can I get a better amen already, that you don't have to stop where you are, that God always has more for you. As a matter of fact, you'll see it printed in a lot of different places. That We, we believe there's more for you in God, that you never arrive. There's never this finish line. till we get to heaven, there's always more. And this year, I really felt the Lord lead me to talk about moving on in your life and finally settling some issues that you've had, maybe for decades, but certainly for years or months. You've just been dealing with the same stuff, that it's God's plan for you to take some territory in your mind Come on, take some territory in your relationships. Take some territory in your finances, everybody. Matter of fact, we're going to equip you to do that. Next week, we launch small groups, uh, uh, this semester of small groups, and Financial Peace University. Come on. The prophet Dave Ramsey, everybody. I mean, it's going to be an amazing if you need help in that area, take some step, take some ground back, cut up some credit cards, like take some ground in your life. Freedom uh, is, starts next next week in, in this small group semester. We have limited availability. If you don't know what small group to go to, go to a freedom group. It is the most amazing, life-changing thing we do here, I think, is to help you settle your yesterdays and move on in your life. Say amen to that. And we are in day 22 of our campaign day 22 after 21 days of prayer and fasting and I am so proud of you I got to just pause and tell you how proud I am of you we ended yesterday with a huge just packed out our offices and really every morning at six o'clock in the morning you were there you were praying fasting so many I got I talked to a dream teamer uh, just before this service who broke their fast this morning at 5 a.m. at Denny's come on somebody He's actually in the restroom right now. Anyway, it's he's got this uh, it pancakes and fat. Anyways, so there um, there's just so much to be proud of you for. But for for those of you who made sacrifices to be there and to pray and to put God first. And the truth is there's only two people coming out of 21 days of prayer. There's people who've received your breakthrough, like God's answer to prayer. And I've heard those some some of those testimonies already. Man, God moved, God answered in the way we needed. God made a way. God, God, there's some things. Matter of fact, I talked before first service to somebody on our dream team who said, It's been eight weeks, it's been two months, and the thing that I've been battling for literally decades is broken off of my life. I've made progress. I'm taking back ground. I'm moving forward. So some of you have already received that breakthrough. But the truth is, some of you have just more broken down. That's a fact. I, you're welcome. God bless you. You can go home. <laughs> like, so, so some of you know, it's, not only did I not get a breakthrough, I feel like I've taken two steps back. I feel like I I, I believed God. I was praying. I still am praying. I'm still believing. But what happens when you don't? And i got to remind you what I told you last week. There will always be a fight. Come on, God opens up the Jordan River. The priests walk across on dry ground holding the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God on their shoulders. Two million people cross over onto dry ground. And the first thing they see are 50-foot walls of Jericho. Let me, let me tell you it like this. Write this in your notes. You cannot get a win without a war. You will not get the win in your life without some war in your life. And I am not trying to raise up an army of pansies. I don't even know if that's politically correct. If it's not, don't put this podcast online if that's the wrong word. I feel like it may be, so let me apologize in advance of your email. But whatever word you want, I don't want you to be wimps and weenies. or those better words and softer for you? I want you to be an army of people who say, Devil, I will not live another year battling this same thing. I'm ready to take some ground and I'll fight for what I want in my life. I'll march around Jericho seven times. I'll worship my way through it. And God will give you victory every city you walk through. He told Joshua, I'll give you victory, but it's not going to come without a fight. There's a war that you've got, and I'm calling you as your pastor in this church to let 2020 be the year you fight for progress in your life. Fight for some stuff you've just laid down and let the enemy take from you. Fight for some stuff that the enemy's told you isn't possible. You've waited too long. Joshua wanders around with the children of Israel for 40 years in the desert after 400 years of slavery, generation after generation. After generation of slaves, God finally delivers them. And now it's time to go from the desert into their destiny. And if you don't hear anything else I tell you today, hear this. Now is your season to finally move from the desert of your life into the destiny God has for you. Come on, to move out of that wilderness you've been in into that promised land you've been in. Am I preaching to anybody? Shout amen. Move out of that place that's dry and weary into that place flowing with milk and honey. Come on, after a fast, milk and honey don't sound terrible. Into that place where God wants you to be. It's going to come with a fight. This is the year. This is the season. This is the year to go after what's been promised to you by God. This is the year to go after everything God has for you to pursue it with all your heart, to claim hold of the promises of God in your relationships, in your finances, in your marriage, in your thought life. Come on everybody. How many of you are tired of the devil living rent-free in your mind everybody? Now is the time to take every thought captive, make it obey Christ. This is I'm not going I'm not going to be held captive to fear and anxiety and depression and suicide any longer. I'm I'm moving on in Jesus' name. you got to fight for that. That's why the Apostle Paul said it like this in the New Testament. He said in Philippians 3, I press on. Underline that in your Bible. I press on. Once not you shout that out loud? Shout, press on. Press on. You didn't shout it. Shout, press on. press on. I'm not talking about eyelashes or fingernails. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about pressing on. And when you press on, there is pressure so don't be surprised another another time in the New Testament Paul would say we're not ignorant of the devices the schemes of the enemy we know that when I start pressing on and taking territory and moving forward but Paul said you're not going to stop me I press on toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus I can see what God wants me to have a healthy marriage wholeness in my heart wholeness with my family and children financially secure a blessed person so I can be a blessing to others this is God's plant whole in my mind and my body and my spirit out of addiction free from the bondage of that I know the goal and I am going to press on towards that goal you can't press on leaning back you can't press on leaning back You can't move into all that God has for you by just leaning back. The posture of the victorious is pressing on. Shout amen to that. The posture of the victorious is pressing on. The old church, they used to say it like this when when, when sister would stand up in testimony service. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? You got to be real churchy. You heathens don't know nothing about that. She would say, I thank God I pressed on. Come on, you just, I just pressed through some stuff. I just, there's going to be some stuff in your life. You're going to wake up tomorrow and not feel like it. You're just going to have to press on for it. Paul didn't say, I thought about it. I just I prayed about it. I, I, it's always funny to me, the religious people who pray about the victory God's already given you. Paul didn't say, God, I'm just going to pray about this. I appreciate this, but I'm in the Roman prison. Let me just say, do you really want me to? do you really want me to keep planting churches, God? I don't know. Serving so hard. It's so early in the morning. Sorry, that way I put it in that part. It's so hard to tithe and put God for, I don't know. Let me pray about it. You don't have to pray about victory. God's already given you victory through Jesus Christ. You can just press on towards that victory. You're just going to have to press on through it. You can't lean back trying to just get away with. You can't just lean back. I, I used to hear growing up, somebody said, if you live for God easy, it's hard. But if you go all in for God's heart, it'll be an easy life. There's, just, there's something about leaning into God, leaning into the things of God, pressing on towards the promise that God has for you. And I'm trying to equip you in 2020 not to give up, just to keep moving forward in your life. Say amen to that. I think Paul probably wrote the book of Hebrews. Most theologians believe he did. It's, it's consistent with his writing style. We don't know for sure. But the book of Hebrews says it like this, Hebrews 12 and 1, after the writer in chapter 11 had just went through the heroes of faith, the hallway of faith. He talks about how the faith of Abraham and the faith of Moses and, and, and the faith of all of these patriarchs. And he says, therefore, since all of these other people made it, that's my translation. Since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let me pause here and tell you. Other people have made it through worse and trusted God. You can make it through this. Other people have pressed through worse. Other people are able. And there's people cheering you on. There's people in this church. That's why you need a small group. It's why you need to be on a dream team. Because there are people that can cheer you on and say you can do it. But in light of that, let us, underline this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. I love this translation for that line. And especially the sin, two different words, underline them both. The weight that slows us down and the sin that trips us up. And then let's run with endurance the race God has set. He goes back to remind you, oh, by the way, it's still going to be a race. It's still going to be running. It's still going to be one foot in front of the other. It's still going to be not giving up, pressing on, moving forward. That's still going to happen. But in order for that to happen, if you, if you aren't pressing towards something, you're going to have to evaluate what's holding me where I am. What's holding me back where I am. A couple of weeks ago, I introduced to you our new worship director, and I'm so glad that you're here. Brody, I'm still glad you're here today. I love you, and I'm still glad that you're here today. But I was not glad you were here yesterday when I was moving you in. I'm kidding. Sort of. A lot of our dream team gathered around, and, and Brody moved into a new apartment. And I don't know apartment math. I failed geometry. Whatever. But they say it was one flight of stairs, but there were 732 stairs to get to that one, that what they would call the second story. Anybody know what I'm talking about that? I don't don't know quite how they did that. I think it's a lie, whatever. And so I noticed about five or six trips up holding all of your stuff. You got a lot of shoes, brother, the story. I noticed how tired I got. I noticed how those stairs became increasingly more difficult And what I thought was going to take quickly, I got a whole lot slower, Eric. You know what I'm trying to say? I got a whole lot slower. I don't know why. It could have been the whatever. So I decided, because I'm wise and spirit-led, to trade spots with the other dream teamers. I decided I would take the position of being in the apartment to tell everybody where the boxes go. Because it's easier on me than running those stairs. Are you still there, everybody? So I don't. Some of your stuff, God only knows where it is. You may never find where I put some of those boxes, but I was this point. You go there, you go there. That looks like it goes there. Put that outside, throw that away, just move it out. I can't do the stairs anymore. I was slow on the stairs because of the weight that slowed me down. Look at me. There's some stuff in your life that isn't sin, but it's slowing you down. The biggest transition in my spiritual life, honest before God, I was raised in an ultra conservative, legalistic, hyper conservative kind of religious context. I believed everything in my life was a sin, everything. The problem when everything's a sin is nothing's a sin. You devalue sin, by the way. It's a problem with legalism. And the biggest transition in my life early in my 20s, we were already married and and this, the light bulb sort of switched on in my life, that everything's not a sin, but everything is a seed. So I would spend my teenage life asking, is this a sin? And 16-year-old me, I wanted to know if it was a sin, because if, if you couldn't prove to me it was a sin, that means I could do it. <laughs> oh, okay, y'all weren't like, okay, all right, just me. All right, that's fine. Also, 16-year-old me, if it was a sin, I would do it, and then I would just pray through on Sunday and feel like it, and then I'd go back to it on Monday. And it took me years. It year. It took me to my 20s, honestly, to have this revelation. Everything's not a sin. Matter of fact, there's a lot of stuff that aren't sinful. They're just heavy. <laughs> and do I really want the harvest of the seed I'm planting? Ask yourself next time you're faced with a moral dilemma. Don't ask yourself, God, is this a sin? Ask yourself, God, is this a seed that I don't want the harvest of? I meet so many people who plant bad seeds and then pray for crop failure. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to plant bad seeds in your marriage and then ask God to please don't let the harvest come up. The Bible says it like this, as long as time exists, there will be seed time and harvest. It's a law of God's universe that seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest. In other words, whatever you sow, you will. Everything's not a sin, but there's some weights that will weigh you down. And, and some of us have arrived in 2020, not with a sin problem, with a weight problem. And I don't mean physically. Mean, I mean a spiritual, emotional, you're carrying extra weight. And it's not stopping you from your destiny. Oh, God. It's just slowing you down. And the most frustrating thing, look at me in the eyes, is being slowed down in traffic. Can I get a better amen? I would literally rather, this is a truth, I'm confessing, I'm just confessing everything today. I will drive 48 miles out of my way to keep going and not have to stop and sit in traffic. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I w- That's true. Well, if I've got to get to and Terra, I will go to Kerrville to, t- to turn around. To not sit on I-10. True story. I-, I will. I think I will preach about that a while. If you work for Dot, you need to get anointed Wednesday night in Jesus' name. You need to live. That devil needs out of here. Anyways, God, where did that come from? Some of you are frustrated not because you can't see the promise. It's just taking you longer to get there. And sin didn't stop you. Weights have. Things that aren't necessarily sinful, just attitudes and, and feelings and hurt that you're carrying around as extra weight. That that you just and and you and you get and you get distracted. Everything that stops you is not sin. It just distracts you. Every can your prayer life be stopped in its tracks by Netflix? So Netflix isn't inherently sinful, but it can distract me. Are you still there? Especially binge watching over and over and over and over and over. It's just so easy. The next episode they made it quicker. Now it just starts like in a second. And I'd get sucked in. Seven episodes later, I don't know what happened to my life. My kids are filthy and unfed, and I don't know. I'm filthy and unfed. I don't. I'm wild today. What's more important? Let me talk to me. What's more important in the car, listening to the news and talk radio, or hearing God's word read to me on my U Version Bible? It's not sin, it's just a distraction. It's just a distraction. It's 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 just it, it it's just a weight. You and and distractions are dangerous. Everybody <laughs> dangerous to be distracted. You ever <laughs> you ever sent a text message to somebody about somebody, but you accidentally sent it to the somebody because <laughs> you were distracted. <laughs> I know you have. Some of y'all sent it to me about me. Uh, <laughs> you get distracted, then you try to follow it up with, ah, bro, that was meant for, ah, I didn't mean that, I, I love you. <laughs> Distractions are dangerous. And gossip, by the way, is dangerous, so <laughs> let me just boil that in there. Distractions can be dangerous. It'll get you in places you don't realize how you got there. You'll be looking down at your phone on a straight road, and before you know it, you hear those rumble strips. Oh, God, I wish I had time to tell you. you. You know what that is in your spirit? The Holy Spirit are the rumble strips of your life. It says, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not sin. It's just distracting. It's just distracting. And your enemy, the devil, knows this. He knows he cannot destroy your destiny. The, the devil cannot destroy your destiny. Hear that. The devil cannot stop God's plan for you. It is impossible spiritually for the devil to stop you. Wait, 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 because I got more. But you can delay your destination. Let me prove it to you. The destiny of Israel was Canaan, the promised land. But the distraction of the wilderness kept them for 40 years. The destination changed Because of the distract, let me say it better this way. Write this down. If Satan can distract you, he can delay you. And if he knows I can't derail you, I'm full of alliterations today. If he knows I can't derail your destiny, I can't take your destiny away from you, I'll just hold you back in this traffic jam so you'll get frustrated enough to give up. I'll distract you with good stuff so you'll miss out on God's stuff. I'll distract you with success, with your company. I'll distract you with, 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 with the cares of this life, with money and fight. I'll distract you with, with stuff that isn't sin. I'll just slow you down with weight so that you get so frustrated you give up on God. That's why we've been fasting, by the way, for 21 days. Because fasting disconnects you from the distractions of your life you start really realizing how much distraction you have. That's why we fast, By the, it, just, it rem- And then when you remove the distractions, you get clarity. Anybody feel like in 21 days you've got some clarity from God? I really do. And I wish it was earlier, around day 20, I felt like God goes, here's something. And it wasn't, it, it just, it wasn't that God wasn't already speaking that to me. It was I had distractions I couldn't get clear from God. And the enemy knows I can't take away your destiny, so I'll distract you with shiny things. Come on everybody. Come on, where's all my squirrel? Where's all my ADD people at? Be proud of it. Come on, be proud of it. Wear it with pride. I can tell. I know. I'm up here watching you get distracted. I know some of us have spiritual ADD. We just get so distracted by shiny things we keep chasing around. We'll miss the thing God called us to do. And we'll live decades of our life, year after year, January after January, chasing stuff I was never supposed to be on. Distracted from my destiny. And when you remove that, when you remove that, you'll realize there's some stuff that got me here that can't take me there. Let me say it better this way. There's some things that were necessary for your deliverance that can't go with you into your destiny. So you read in your Bible in the story of Joshua and every single warrior over the age of 20 years old except Joshua and Caleb died in the wilderness. Literally God waited for them to die. Imagine the funerals. How many tens of thousands of goodbyes Tens of thousands of you can't go with us. Tens of thousands of ancestors they buried in the desert because God said, there's some stuff I needed to get you out of Egypt, but you can't take it with you into your destiny. And the greatest thing you need to know is if you want to walk into your future, write this down, you're going to have to walk away from your present. There's some stuff you're just going to have to walk away from. There's some stuff, some people, some relationships, some attitudes. What, what, what do you, I want you to walk away from ungodly relationships. You, I, I appreciate how far you got me, but not everybody in your current world is meant for your destiny. They were meant for your deliverance. I had to have you to get out of Egypt, but you can't go into the promise. Moses, the great deliverer, a type of Christ the Messiah, could not enter into the promised land. Some stuff you thought, there's no way I can make it there without this, can't go with you. And as long as you hold on to it, you'll always stay here. As long as y'all live, you can, now don't go killing people, come on everybody, I'm not talking about actual live. There's just some stuff you got, that's got to die in the desert. Some stuff's got to die in the desert ungodly relationships, unhealthy friendships, addictions, bad habits, your attitude. Come on, I'm talking to somebody now. Most, most Christians believe when I start preaching this way, I'm talking about you know addictions and bad sin and fornication, sleeping around and porn. I am, but I'm also talking about that negativity that comes out of your mouth every time you open it. I'm also talking about the gossip that you can't speak positive about anybody in your world. You cut off every relationship you've ever got because nobody trusts you because as soon as they tell you, you go tell everybody else. That's good, isn't it? There's some attitudes you got to get. You ha- you just need, There's some destructive relationships. I know some people that if you can't say something nice, come sit by me. <laughs> we'll talk bad about people together. You got to cut you need what I call a friendectomy. Come on somebody. You know what that is? That's where you do surgery and just say, "You got to go. I love you. I appreciate you. You got me out of Egypt, but you are not meant for my destiny. I got to let you go. I got to get out of it." But you don't understand. I'm helping them. When helping them is hurting you, you got to cut that off. Get rid of them. Get rid of that negative influence. Get, like the prophetess Elsa said, "Let it go." You're going to be singing that now. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let them go. They weren't meant for your destiny. If they're holding you back from a healthy marriage, let them go. If they're holding you back from serving and giving and going all in with God and praying and fasting and fixing your spiritual life, let them go. Some people want to hold you back where you were because it makes them feel better about the hell they're in. Some people helped you get in the desert and they want you to die with them in the desert. But you're not desert people. You're destiny people. God's called you to more. God has more in your life. And I've got to let you go. I'll bury this here so that I can move on there. Shout amen to that, everybody. Now, let me. Let, i got to give you a caveat because some of y'all wild people in second service will go home and file for divorce that God told you To leave that, no, don't leave your husband or wife. I'm not talking about walking away from your marriage that's struggling. I'm talking about walking away from the attitude that got you in a bad marriage. You can't lust for every woman on the internet and not expect your wife to want to leave. I'm talking about walking away from that, not from her. I'm not talking about walking away from a husband. It's struggling right now, and you're, what are we going to do? I'm talking about walking away from that negative stuff. If you always call him the dummy you live with, no wonder he's the dummy you still live with. Don't walk away from him, walk away from that. Are you with me, everybody? Next Sunday is going to be fun. It's going to be football. (laughs) But I got to get you to move on today, I got to get you off this merry-go-round. Of crazy. You ever feel like you're on the merry-go-round of crazy? Like I've been here before. I've seen these crazy people. I am motion sick from it. I'm ready to move on and take some ground in my life. There's just some things you're going to have to walk away from. And it's not natural to you. It's going to require some action on your part. Do you know what the best-selling furniture in America is today? Bar none, the, the, there is no close second. It's not IKEA. I know some of y'all thinking <laughs> that the best selling, the best piece of furniture in American history is a lazy boy. A lazy boy. Can I tell, can I confess to y'all? I'm going to anyway. I am not much of an outdoorsman. I know, whatever. I am not much of, of I don't, it's just not my thing. But my kids love Bass Pro Shop. And I need one of y'all to take them hunting. Anyway, they love Bass Pro; they love all the animals; they love all the stuff. So we go to Bass Pro Shop a lot. And I'm going to embarrass Brandy, and I—I I do often. I'm just warning you now, <laughs> so you'll be aware. I like to go to Bass Pro Shop, not for the guns and the whatnots, and the triggers, no fishing and lures and all the motors and whatnot and the boats. And I love it; appreciate it. I just—I just don't understand it. But I do like to go into Bass Pro. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to tell y'all. And I go to the left where Paula Dean's used to be, God rest her soul. And the FUD shop is right there. You feel that you feel that breath of the Holy Spirit move over y'all? And right in front of the FUD shop, by no accident, Trent, are beautiful American made camouflage recliners come on somebody <laughs> how many of you men your wife lets you put a recliner in the living room where are all these where are, nobody you tell us your secret patrick tell us how this happens most of you make them put them in the man cave yeah, i'm not taking that nasty thing in here it does that's what brandy always tells me they're they're ugly they're not good but i'll go to bass pro and the toy section i think god arranged that whole fudge toys Camo recliners, come on somebody. And I have been known, I'm, t- I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you, I've been known to lay back in that warm camo cushion that just engulfs me like a mother's hug <laughs> and drift off into the third heaven <laughs> until, until my... <laughs> <laughs> if you find me there, don't wake me up. You know what the best-selling chair in America is not? It's not the worker boy. It's the lazy boy. It's not the risker boy. It's the lazy boy. Because it's easier to kick back than press on. It's easier to just say, I, this is God's fault. I, I'm just, I'm here. I'm, do, I'm doing everything. I just don't understand. Pastor, I don't know what's working. I don't know why this isn't working. Let me tell you why it may not be working. James says why it may not be working. Matter of fact, I'm preaching a whole series on James this summer. I'm going verse by verse through the book of James in the New Testament. It's the, it's the working book of the Bible. Some of you thought, well, I thought we weren't works people. We're not. You don't have to do anything to get saved. There's no works to get saved. But after you get saved, it's a It's a battle. you got to work at faith, everybody. And James says it like this in James 1.22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. You can't just sit back in those movie theater chairs and hear God's word every day and not get up on Monday and do the thing that God's called you to do. Take the ground. Do the work. Put in the work in your marriage. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourselves, James said, that you're going to ever find Fulfillment in your life. you got to do it. Because honestly, I believe this with my whole heart, faith is the easy part. Obedience is the challenge. Faith is the easy part. Oh, God's given us this. Prime. God's given us this land. God's given us this territory. God, God's gonna give us a marriage that's healed. God's gonna make a wholeness in my relationship with my kids. God's gonna bring them back to God. God's gonna, God's going to fix our finances. God, faith is the easy part. You can say that out loud. Obedience is the challenge. That's getting up and putting in the work, everybody. That's doing God's word, not hearing God's word. You can't have faith without obedience obedience James says is proof of your faith in other words don't James says it we'll, we'll go over it in the summer James actually says if you don't just talk about your faith show me your faith by your works Show me you believe God is going to heal your finances by joining Financial Peace University. Show me God wants to deliver you from your ex and your heartbreak and that divorce that almost ripped your heart out by getting in a freedom group next week. Show me that God wants to give you peace and fulfillment and real joy and satisfaction by going through the growth track and joining the dream team and serving other people. You're not blessed for you. You're blessed to bless others. Show me. Faith is the easy part. Obedience. That's the hard part. I, let me say it better this way. Making decisions is always easier than making disciplines that make the decisions. Making, I always make a decision every Sunday night. Blake, you would be proud of me to eat kale this week and to go to the gym and to do the thing. Making the decisions easy. I'll even say it out loud. Brandy, I'm going. I'm going to Planet Fitness. By God, they've taken thousands of dollars and I've never walked in there. I just walk in and brand new. They treat me like royalty. I get some Tootsie Rolls off the counter, whatever. <laughs> the hard part's not the decision. Making the discipline on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The, that's the hard part. Let me tell you why. Let me can, can I let you know the secret why? It's because you wait till you feel it. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. If you wait on your feelings to serve, give, tithe, show up, pray, fast, take ground, go to counseling, read a book, if you wait on your feelings, you're never going to feel like it. you got to wait on choices, and you just got to get up tomorrow and choose. I'm going to choose to take some ground in my life. I'm going to choose to do battle with this. I'm going to make the choice to change and to take ground, and I know it's hard preaching today, and... And I I really do. I want to come at you with love. I I never want to present truth to you without grace all over it. So I'm not telling you God's not going to give you strength for it. But there's work to be done on our part. There's work to be done. There's obedience to happen. And if you will, it's amazing what God will change in your life. It's called metamorphosis. In preparing for this message, I did a little more research than I care to admit to you. The Internet tells you a lot and then sometimes too much. Come on, everybody. About the process of metamorphosis from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Just take my word on it. I've spent a few hours (laughs) on the Internet about it. There's some gross parts of it, okay, everybody? And we don't fully understand it. Matter of fact, we get the word metamorphosis from two Latin words. Morphosis means the process of forming. Like there's a process that's being formed in there. And then we put meta on the front because it means, well, after that's all done, and we're not quite sure what happens in that. We're not quite sure how. I mean, we think we know how. And, and I read some of it. I read, I read and, and the only part I can tell you that's not gross and there's pictures and whatever, is, is that the caterpillar produces enzymes that are created through the hormones in its body, and it literally digests itself. It literally breaks itself down to become something else. And the reason we're not quite the reason we call it metamorphosis and we don't know it's just beyond the forming is because you can't you can't open up a cocoon and watch it happen cuz you'll stop the process. And some of us here today have aborted the process In God's timing, you've gotten so frustrated with the delay, with I don't know how long, uh, the hard work. This seems like it's going to be tough. And so you slice open the cocoon of your spiritual life and you stop the process that God wants to do. And i got to tell you here at the last message, don't abort the process that God wants to change your life. There's some stuff that can only happen through process. There's a metamorphosis that happens in your life. There's this thing, there's this, this caterpillar. that You thought puberty was hard. You ought to try to digest yourself. Come on, somebody. I mean, that's hard. That's, it's nasty up in there. It's, I'm telling you, I read some stuff. And the, there are sleeping cells that a caterpillar always has that will become future body parts of the butterfly. And if you open up the cocoon before those body parts are fully formed, then you abort what God meant it to do. And there's some stuff God put on the inside of you that if you cut it open too early, you'll abort and distort the process of God turning you into everything you're supposed to be. Some stuff you just got to work out. You just got to walk it out. Don't distort the process. Their struggle. And the struggle that the caterpillar goes through is what produces the end result. Let me say it better this way. It is the struggle that gives the success. It is the process. Write it down. It is the process that produces the purpose. The wings that you need to fly are only formed in the cocoon. The the, the antennas that you need to direct you are only formed if you don't abort the process, if you don't slice open the cocoon of God doing work in your heart. Don't jump ship. Don't stop yet. The struggle is strengthening you for your destiny. Come play. The struggle is strengthening you for Your destiny. The good southern gospel group, Rascal Flats, (laughs) said it best that God (laughs) bless the broken road. There's just something about the process. So, four years in, we're in our fourth year as a church. Church is three years old. I've been here over four years. There's some things that just add fuel to your tank that you know that what you're doing matters, that God really did call you. And, and you need that along the way, frankly. That's why I love to hear your stories of how this church has helped you and God's changed you here and, and servings changed you and givings changed you and, and, and the presence of God. And so a couple of weeks ago, Brandy and I received a letter, a typed letter. Not even an email, which I love. From a dream teamer. Who's been here one year this month. And I want to read you some of that letter about metamorphosis. I want to give you some hope today. I tried to do it in first service without crying. I'm gonna try to do it in second service without crying. I've read it a hundred times. I read it out loud to Brandy, and Brandy's read it out loud to me on the tough days. When you wonder, is this really working? began my life I'm reading raised in a church of Christ house I was raised church of Christ but we only attended church for weddings and funerals and holidays we always prayed before we ate we always had some sort of Christianity and, and in my senior year I wanted to go to college somewhere else I'm, I'm paraphrasing ended up at a Christian church of Christ university in Searcy Arkansas as typically happens in college you start seeing people who profess Christianity that don't live Christianity. And it made this person distorted. Is this what Christianity truly is? Is actually the word he uses. After the first year, I just returned home, and I started to turn away from Christ. After a few years in the woodlands, I moved to the DFW area to attend school. I attended full-time college, and I also worked a full-time job. And I was very alone while in Dallas. And I was suicidal, and I attempted once with pills and another time with a rifle in my hand. I graduated Northwood University, felt safe for me to go back home. A few years later, I started dating a woman. We grew up the same way. After dating her for a bit, I, we, we began, her and I began to consider ourselves agnostic. A couple of years later, we got married. Shortly after we got married, we spoke to her half-sister, about Satanism and Luciferianism, the worship of Satan. Her half-sister was an exotic dancer with a fairly high, she was fairly high up in the church of Satan. And so we began to research the differences and began to attend the greater church of Lucifer in Old Town Spring, Texas. We both started to become close to several of the leaders of that church and attended several classes. And we learned curriculum to potentially open our own chapter of the Greater Church of Lucifer. During this time, I have witnessed and spoke and participated in some pretty dark activities. After a couple of years, my job moving to San Antonio... Due to the move and the lack of a Satanist church in San Antonio, we started reading and practicing it on our own. Over the past few years, our marriage became very difficult. we went to counselors and therapists and couples retreat. gotten so bad. we had even considered an alternative lifestyle. A lot more stuff, I can't tell you. Six months later, our divorce was finalized, and I moved back into my apartment, my empty apartment, no furniture, without my cats, without my wife, and life became very dark again. I've always suffered from anxiety and depression, and it just escalated. Life began to look a lot better without me in it. Everything was gone, so what difference did it make? During this time, I started talking to a friend who I'd met in college. We would talk daily on the phone as he'd recently been through a divorce, nasty custody battle he had some of the same religious views as me. And he was definitely helping me get through some of the issues I was having. And he began to tell me how he recently found God. <sighs> and began to tell me how the power of Jesus Christ had helped him. By the way, that's why you got to tell everybody. That's why I tell you to bring every person you can next week. You just never know. Just never know. The every, every phone call would end with Ken, my friend, saying, go to church. And I would chuckle and say sarcastically, I'll go. And I'd gotten a day after a phone call, and finally I told him, I will go to church if you stop saying that. <laughs> I'm a man of my word, so I did it. The following day, I went on Facebook started looking for churches in Birdie, Texas. I didn't really know what I was looking for, to be honest. Several churches came up, thought to myself, that looks boring, that's not the one. (laughs) Then I came across a church called City Hills. I noticed they had a band. The congregation looked friendly and welcoming. At least they wouldn't be bored. I was hesitant about going to a church again. So I sent a Facebook message. God, do I remember this day? Where I told City Hills about my concerns about being a Satanist. Could I come to church? He actually said, Will I be welcome in your church? He got back a response. I wrote it. Saying, Not only would you be welcome, you won't be judged here. So I headed to church, the AMC Theater. By the way, for everybody praying for a building, God will use us right where we are, right here. As I drove to the AMC, my anxiety grew. I was tempted to turn around. Isn't that just like the devil? <laughs> Something was telling me. I had to go in. I had no idea what to expect. I felt like I would be judged immediately, so I told myself going in, just sit down and observe. <laughs> I entered the lobby of the movie theater. Stood quietly along the wall. And I waited for the doors to open to the auditorium. One of the first persons to approach me was a gentleman named Anthony. Anthony, and I began a casual conversation, and he asked me if it was my first time at City Hills, and I said, yeah, it's actually my first time in a church in a long time. He kindly welcomed me, told me to let him know if there's anything I needed, and after the doors opened, I walked inside. I was caught off guard by the lights and music. As I walked inside, I was greeted with a warm smile by Amelia Baskins, another Dream Teamer. She asked me, She asked me if I wanted to sit up close or on the stairs, and I responded, I wanted to sit close. Just hear that. I read that on purpose. She pointed to the seat on the first few rows. (laughs) I took my seat in the middle of the fourth row, and I was just going to sit and observe, and I did just that. The band played. Pastor Mitch came up at the beginning of the message, and I sat there and listened. I didn't stand up. I didn't clap. I didn't sing. I didn't pray. I just sat there. I continued this observation for over a month. Sit, don't stand, don't clap, don't sing, don't pray. The next series was called, This is Only a Test. This series began to change my life. Pastor Mitch was preaching, he began to tell that no matter what you've done in your life or where you come from, that your past is a test for where you're going. There's a reason you're here today. He began to tell me that many people think they have to get right and go the extra mile and do all this extra work to prove to God that you're a good Christian, to make up for all your wrongdoings. But your past is just your past. And this hit home. How did he know to speak to me? Little did I know that message changed my life forever. So the next Sunday, I'm almost done. So the next Sunday while driving to church, I told myself, Travis, that's him, by the way, serving today. <laughs> I told myself, Travis, go all in. God. Whew. Stand up, pray. Sing. You're not a fraud. So during this service, I didn't just sit there and observe. I stood up. I sang. I talked to people. And I prayed. And I went home after service and I realized something was different. I felt amazing and carefree. And it was a beautiful day. And I felt so amazing that my life was a lot less gray. And the colors of the world were much more vivid. And from this day, I made a commitment to myself to go all in. I became a member of City Hills. I joined the Dream Team. (laughs) I participated in every activity I possibly could. I studied the Bible. Shortly after, I got baptized for the first time in my entire life. (laughs) Along the way, I've made several close friends here at City Hills. Matter of fact, a million, Anthony, are two of my closest. <laughs> Actually, these people are more than my friends. They're my family. And family's important to me. My anxiety and depression are almost non-existent. And at this point, my heart is full. I feel loved and accepted. And I feel like I now have a purpose on this earth. So I'll tell you, like I told him, you don't have to get right to get to God, you just have to make the decision to go all in with God, to just decide, I'm taking ground back, my marriage doesn't have to end, we don't have to give up on our kids, doesn't have to end in depression and suicide and addiction and pills, it doesn't have to be over like this. I don't care where you've been or what you did. You know, this is last service. I'm just taking forever. Travis, I don't even know if you know this. You ready for this? You know why Anthony was the first guy to talk to you? Because he's on the security team. (laughs) And I sent them a message the night before and said, I just got a message from a Satanist, and I have no idea what's about to happen. Anthony just did what we do. He just walked in his purpose so you could walk in yours. And there are people who have given their sweat and blood and tears and money and finances to get us this, and I'm, that's why I love this dream team so much that you create a place in an AMC movie theater where anybody, anybody can move forward in their life. You can move forward. You can be set free. You can find hope and deliverance again. This year, I'm asking you, take ground. Fight for it. Go all in. Come on, that's, a, that's my favorite line Travis wrote in the whole letter. There's a whole lot more I didn't get to tell you. He just said, I just decided. I got in the car and just decided. You, you're waiting on a feeling of goosebumps. It's never going to come. Just decide. I'm taking ground. I'm stepping out. I'm doing this thing. God's promised it to me. We're going to have it. God's going to bless. We're going we're to step into all that God has for us. And this is our year to take ground.